0: We brought you damn good beer. Now we're delivering to you damn good beef. So damn good that you can now get Wagyu beef at the DNVR bar. That's right. We couldn't resist putting this damn good beef in the bar. You all can now come down and build your own delicious Hassle Cattle Wagyu beef burger. Add all the toppings you want and enjoy the watch parties with the finest beef. Hassle Cattle Company is the absolute best source for farm-to-table Wagyu beef in the country. Uh, they're a fourth generation cattle farm out of Texas and they ship all over the beautiful U.S. Bay straight to your door. They call their beef the blue collar Wagyu. Why? Because it's the best damn Wagyu that every man or woman can afford. Hassel Cattle Company offers Wagyu smoked sausage, New York strip, beef bacon, Wagyu frank without any fillers to jerky flavors, uh, original and sweet and spicy. And their hamburger, which we serve at the bar, won Food Network's Northeast Burger Jam. Not only do we love their beef, the country loves their beef. These guys take their registered bulls, they breed them with Angus cows, and that gives you a very high-prime product that is grown with zero antibiotics and hormones. So head to hasslecattlecompany.com. That's H-A-S-S-E-L-L cattlecompany.com and use the promo code DMBR10 for 10% off your order. That's DMBR10 for 10% off any orders over $200 and you receive free shipping. Check them out. We promise that you will not be disappointed.
1: What, what, what's up, y'all? We are back with another edition of the DNVR NFL Draft Podcast. I'm Justin Michael. I'm here with Henry Chisholm, Jake Schwanitz, and Andre Simone. We are going to be grading the AFC draft classes. We're going to be comparing them to the Broncos. We're going to be talking about a whole lot of fun stuff, projecting how many starters we think the, each of these teams were able to snag in what was, you know, probably one of the weirdest NFL drafts any of us have ever been a part of. Maybe the weirdest one we ever will be a part of. Henry, Jake, Andre, how's it going, my guys? What is up? What's up? So much enthusiasm. It's just great. Doing well. Doing well. Excited. <laughs> it's post-draft
2: fatigue. Oh, no post-draft <laughs> fatigue. No post-draft <laughs> fatigue. It's all, you know, we're just spending time until uh, June 1st, June 2nd. Just stretching it out. Lots of fun Patrick Sertain content on the site, by the way, so check that out as well. Um, Fellas, should we start in alphabetical order on the AFC? Do we want to
1: go alphabetical or by division? Mm, I'm on the the
2: ESPN website. Okay, cool. That works, too. Let's do by division. I don't need your life story on how you're tracking each class, Henry. But I, I love... I'm that tracking location. them alphabetically.
0: Good. Good. That's excellent.
2: Since we are a no-coast biased company,
1: but really that means we're a Western-inclined
2: Western, Western inclined company, we should just start from the AFC West and work our way
1: east. I think that makes the most
2: sense. All right. And then let's do it by highest drafting team in the division. So there you go, the Denver Broncos.
0: Oh, All nice.
1: right, Henry, <laughs> let's start with the Denver Broncos. Nice and easy. B is early in the alphabet. You won't have to go very far down your list. What is your grade Actually, on this Broncos class?
0: Yeah. They count as yeah. Denver on mine. So oh, you did power. it by city. Uh, I'm go not going to complain, though. I'm not going to complain, though. Um, I'll give him an A. I said this before, and I, I think I was the only one on the draft show that gave him an A. Or no, I, maybe Uh, that's good Broncos. A Braden Perna, there you go. There's the name. I came on and, and gave him an A as well. That's always the guy who you want to be agreeing with. Um, I, it was a good class. They got good value. Sure, like the, the lack of a quarterback is going to be the, the storyline for the Broncos in this one. You don't like the quarterbacks? That's fair. Personally, I, I was kind of cool with this strategy anyway, and so I'm not too upset with it. Same time, Justin Fields, I would have taken him. But to get somebody like Pat Sertan at nine, that's a good value. Javante Williams, in the beginning of the second round, he's going to be a productive player for the Broncos. That's a good pick. And you can go all the way through with Quinn Miners, um, Baron Browning. I think those, those two safeties, Caden Sterns, Jamar Johnson, I, I, I think that they did a good job taking advantage of the value that was on the board. Um, And and I'm really excited for all these guys to get to Denver.
3: So I'm going to give them an A. Jay, I'm 42. there with you. Think? I'd give them an A. <clears throat> Personally, the only thing that would keep it from an A-plus would be the quarterback. But, you know... We already talked about that. I'm already over it, Um, especially if they get Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson potentially. It doesn't even matter. Um, In terms of future starters, though, I think I'd set the over-under at four and a half. Um, I think the first four picks have a really good chance of being a starter, and then I would bet that one of the safeties could develop into starting. Trey?
2: I like that. I like that number. Four and a half is the properly set number. I think you have three quote-unquote locks, at least two starting as soon as next year. And then, you know, you figure um, you're going to get a good chance for Baron Browning to find at least a two down roll on this defense, whether it's taking over for Vaughn or Josie Jewell um, or Alexander Johnson for that matter. And then between Quinn Miner and uh, Jamar Johnson, I think that's where you get your one and a half. So I think four and a half is set really well. And I think that tells you How good of a haul this is. We're not gonna set many of these numbers at four and a half. The Broncos are gonna be on the high end. And you know, for nine, nine drafted guys, seven of those guys for me were a draftable NFL worthy prospects, and six in the top 120. So those are contributors who, you know, you value in the top like 50 of your roster right there. So they had a lot of picks, but they really, you know, hit. Solid extra base hit, solid doubles, solid singles across the board. So, yeah, it's a, it's a B-plus with uh, the potential for more. And, yeah, you're not going to be able to address your most glaring needs in quarterback and offensive tackle. That one might sting a bit, but uh
1: that You guys literally covered good. every single thing I have in my notes here. Broncos, B-plus, added a ton of high-value players, didn't improve value at quarterback or tackle, Made the, you know, best of their situation, three to five starters out of this draft class. So it sounds like we're all, you know, right on the on the same wavelength. It was a really good class. We thought they brought in guys that are going to be able to contribute immediately. Hopefully pan out as starters. Four and a half, that's really solid. Let's uh, stay in the AFC West, I guess, and, and
3: go with the Chiefs.
1: They had the, no. the smallest draft class at six picks. Jake, you're first on this one.
3: Yeah, I really like the class overall. I mean, you have to factor in Orlando Brown, obviously, because of the trade. Um, So when you look at it that way, um, I like the top, I guess, technically three picks, Orlando Brown, Nick Bolton, and Creed Humphrey. Uh, I really like Cornell Powell, too. Um, I just don't know, especially this Chiefs team, how stacked they are at wide receiver, if he's ever going to really be able to break through. Um, It's just tough with him. He was a bit of a one-year wonder, too, so you don't really know what you're getting. And Trey Smith, too. Another developmental guy that could end up really being a steal. I think I would go, I guess, taking Orlando Brown out of it because he's already played NFL snaps. I'd say two and a half uh, uh, starters for this team, possibly, uh, with Bolton and Humphrey and then toss-up between Powell and Smith, maybe.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's with only two picks in the first three rounds. So to have that number set at two and a half, I think you're taking care of business. Then you factor Orlando Brown in. Hard for me to argue against anything other than an A, frankly. I thought Trey Smith was one of the steals of the draft. And yeah, Cornell Powell, you, you don't quite know, but they do need to replace Sammy Watkins and needed a little more size outside. So can't knock that pick too much.
1: It's the Noah Gray pick that I think was a bit... And that's why I have them as a B plus. Like I, I like what they did with their draft, and I think especially those first two picks were really solid. And then they made up for it with Trey Smith at the end, who I think might be one of the best deals coming out of the sixth round. At least just in terms of what the, his ceiling could be. He's got a lot of work to do, but it's a sixth round pick. What it's what you're going to expect. But I mean, when you just you consider that they traded most of their premium draft capital to get a tackle. The fact that they were able to then go out and get the best center, a linebacker that's gonna be able to start right away. Like I know he's not technic Brown isn't technically part of their draft class, but all things considered, it's like a you know B plus A, just really
0: solid.
2: Totally. Yeah, Um,
0: what's Yeah, I'm right there. It's it's tough to give them like the the straight up A just because they didn't have that many picks. Like I'm not I'm not super excited about this class in the way that I can get excited about some of the other classes. At the same time though. You got to grade them based on what they do with what they have, and I think that they came pretty close to maximizing what they had. Um, Nick Bolton, I was higher on than a lot of a lot of people, a lot at least on this podcast. I like that pick. Creed Humphrey at the end of the second round, I thought that was a steal. I think that those are two starters, and and I, I agree that you find another half starter, yeah, half starter somewhere in there. Whether it's Cornell Powell or Trey Smith. Noah Gray, who they like, I, I don't know. Um, I'll give him a B plus. I'll give him a
2: B plus. I, I thought of the teams that didn't have first-round picks, of the contenders that have kind of gone all in on the immediate and thus have sacrificed a lot of picks. They did by far the best job. If you were the Broncos and you did pull an Aaron Rodgers trade, this would be the kind of model you'd want to follow, you know? With those two mm-hmm. second-round picks, I mean, Broncos need a tackle. You could have found found a tackle if Denver was in this kind of situation. A very intriguing class. Very intriguing class from, obviously, a, a front office that's proven its chops time and time again in, uh, in recent years here.
1: Chargers? What do you guys add on the Chargers? Because I think yeah. they might be the most interesting class out of this AFC West. I Them and the Broncos, I'm, I'm really high on what they got. But the thing with, with the Chargers is, like, I really like that they added at O-line and defensive back in the first rounds, because I think that's, you know, their most glaring needs. And you got mm-hmm. guys I like in Asante Samuel Jr. and Rashawn Slater. But again, those are also guys that I have a lot of question marks. There's people with with very high ceilings, but I don't know if Slater's a tackle or a guard. If he's a guard, I don't love that pick quite no. as much. Right. So I, I gave him a B. I, I have three starters coming out of this Chargers class. I think it was a solid haul. I think it was good, but I... I don't know. I just I have some questions about Slater, and, and especially if he ends up being a guard, it's going to knock it down a little bit for me.
3: Well, on ourlads.com, so by no mean official, but one of the most reliable depth chart sources uh, we can find, Rashawn Slater is listed at left tackle. Yeah. So um, we'll see what happens when training camp comes around. I'm kind of with you, though. I mean, I like a lot of the potential of some of these players, especially in the third round, Josh Palmer and Trey McKitty. Uh, I thought Josh Palmer was a legitimate sleeper, and I was really impressed by McKitty at the senior bowl. It's just that he hasn't played all too much. Mm -hmm. Um, I wasn't very high on Asante Samuel Jr. Uh, So I'm around like a B- minus or something. Um, You know, it's, I don't want to say risky, but there's a lot of just unknown with this class. Um, I'd say Slater and Asante Samuel Jr. are potential starters. I'd say maybe three and a half if I'm being generous for future starters here.
0: I'll uh, I'll give him a C, I, I, because it's my grade, and just because people like Rashad Slater and like Asante Samuel, I, I do not. Um, and we've talked a lot about our thoughts about Rashad Slater, Asante Samuel. Maybe not so much. He's just a little bit grabby. He gets called for a lot of penalties. I think that there's more penalties he could get called for, and you can coach that away, I guess. But there's flaws. Yeah, so. there's flaws in this game that I just don't really like, and. And I would have taken somebody else there, and I would have taken somebody other than Slater at thirteen. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Trey McKinney, um, and there just aren't guys who I look at and say that's a, that's a pick that I would have made. When I'm giving out my grades, that's kind of the question I'm asking. Um, and for that reason, you know, they probably do find three starters out of this, three three and a half starters maybe, um, just because they have so many picks. But when I go through, I say there's a chance that Rashawn Slater doesn't live up to the height. Uh, uh, Asante able too, and so I, I wonder how this is going to shake out. Um, I'll, I'll say, though, I give it a C.
2: Mm, Trey? I love this, guys, because this is a class I've heard a lot of hype about, and I'm, I'm more with you, you know. All in all, just one top 40 prospect for me, and that's Slater, and obviously so much of this draft will come down to, is Slater your long-term solution at left tackle, or does he have to be switched that guard? He could be a very, very, very good guard, but I do think the, the analysis from media types who don't cover the draft, right, um, and are coming at it from more of a broad perspective, it's like, oh, wow, Slater dropped to them, clearly one of the two best tackles in the draft. They were thinking of trading up, and they let him fall in their lap. Not as much conversation, more in the detail of, well, is he actually going to be able to survive at tackle in the AFC West, where you have some really powerful, strong edges who make length. Important distinction, strength? by the way. Mm. Like
1: it's, he's not going to go play left tackle in the South. It's the AFC West yeah. where you're going to have to deal with Bosa and Von Miller and Chubb. And, Clark. And, yes, it's yeah. Young, good young luck,
2: Yannick man. Ngakwe, right? Ngakwe. Um, and uh, you know I. Crosby Farrell say what you will about yeah. those picks were made length for days though. So that, I mean, these are unique challenges for a guy like Slater. Um, and, and we, we've talked about his value a ton and I love that we're all, you know, Asante Samuels is, is another pick maybe lauded a bit more nationally. Cause you see this run on corners and you think, wow, they were still get able to get Asante Samuels. But yeah, definite holes in that game, you know, far from a guy who's just like, Oh wow. Perfect pick. Um, Frankly though, I like what they did with Chris Rumph. I like what they did with Brandon Hymas, the Nebraska um left tackle. And that's where I think the three and a half numbers properly set, then you might be able to go over. But I I I it's a solid B for me. No more, no less.
1: They added good players. It was like it was, you know, it was a draft class they they kind of let it play out they didn't you know they weren't super aggressive they didn't try and trade up or anything like that and they right if, if slater pans out then this is going to end up sure. probably being a really solid draft class because as we went over if you get two of these other two of the other guys to pan out then you're already looking at three starters any more than that it's you know a, a really solid draft haul i just i don't know i want slater to be good but the the lack of arm length and just being in this division it, it makes me nervous And now we get to the most interesting team, maybe in the entire draft, one of the most interesting teams at least, because they got just everybody surprised in the first round when they took Alex Leatherwood. The Raiders, the Raiders, baby. And John Gruden, I gave them a D, and that was my lowest grade that I gave anybody in the NFL. Where are you guys at?
2: Tied with the Colts as the lowest grade, F for me. One top 40 prospect, two top 100, which this is a team that had, you know, a a top 20 first rounder and four picks in the top three rounds. So they come away with two top 100 prospects really is losing out on the value of your pick. Of course, according to my board, overall, just three draftable players. Again, that's with four picks in the top three rounds. So for my board, it's just not a great job. I actually think the top two picks are the ones that they get knocked on for so much. It's the rest of the draft where they. I was going to
1: say those are the guys I
2: like. I like Leatherwood and
1: Maring. I thought both of them were reaches where they took them, but I like both of those guys. I don't hate those picks. I just don't love where they took them. But the rest of their draft class, you're looking at this and you're just like, "Are these dudes even going to make the team?"
0: Yeah, yeah, and and, and there's other weird stuff too. I mean, what they they have. Is that there's seven picks and three of them are on safeties? Mm-hmm. Just just some weird stuff like that. And sure, like the Broncos had plenty of DBs before they went in the draft and they left before their own. But I just I don't know. It's just some weird stuff. I'm I'm I'll give them the D plus. Um, just because I do think that you know the most important picks are the earliest picks. And Alex Leatherwood, bit of a reach. But Trayvon Merrick at the 11th pick in the second round. That's good value. That's good value. And, I mean, there's a reason they took three safeties. They haven't been able to figure that position out. They, I think that that's a team that wants to put a bunch of safeties on the field, but just can't find any capable players to, to do that. Um, and so I, I do think that Mary kind of, it, it saves the class in that it brings it up to a D D+. And in terms of future starters, I mean, when three of them play the same position, it, it makes it tough. Um, I'll, I'll say Leatherwood will start. Marigold start. It's two. Uh, Yeah, I think it is.
2: I think it is. You can't even have a half number on this one, right, Jake? You have to set it up. That's
3: it. I think so. I mean, I talked about it when we talked about offensive tackles that I think Leatherwood was not being disrespected but slept on a bit throughout the process. But 17th overall, um, a bit rich for me still. But regardless, if you get a starting right tackle – and you finally get some stability at that position, which is what that team's been looking for. Not a bad pick, um, I guess, when it boils down to it. And just what Hank said about the safeties. I mean, secondary has been terrible for this team for a long time. And I think they just figured we'll take as many dart throws as we can. Uh, hopefully one or two guys pans out. Uh, we'll see. It's just they, they've spent so much capital, uh, highly high picks, on these secondary players that it really kind of has to pan out. Otherwise, you know, someone's head is going to be on the chopping block. Uh, I'm right there with you guys. though. I'm at two starters. I'm hovering around a D plus, uh, C minus if one of these late round secondary guys are able to make an impact.
1: I love that we're actually willing to give some C's and D's out here because if you read any of the, the grades on... You know, a lot of, like, NFL.com type stuff. And I'm not taking shots. I get it. Like, you don't want to be too aggressive, especially when you're writing for something, like, associated with the shield. But it's, like, everybody is a B-minus, like, no worse than, or, like, C-plus at the absolute worst. It's, like, there were a couple of teams that flat out just had terrible fucking draft class. Just Mm -hmm. call it what it is. Like, yeah, yeah, they they might pan out and we'll look like idiots, but I'm willing... To risk that, based on everything we know, like there were just a couple of teams this year that totally bombed. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, you know, it. The problem here is the
2: double down on some picks they've already used in the Mike Mayock era, like Malcolm Kunsie, uh, the Buffalo Edge, nice pick where they got him. But you've already got Crosby, you've already got Cleveland Farrell, you've already got Yannick Ngakwe, like when's this premium pick third round selection going to see the field used used a a first round pick on jonathan abram uh, a box safety which i was like i didn't hear much criticism everyone was oh, great pick, great pick no it was a terrible pick yeah it's proving out to be true and now you just drafted three more safeties on top of that dude who can't stay healthy and when he is healthy isn't frankly all that good at football uh, you know, as, as far as playing assignments, I mean, he has big hits, like Big Whoop. Um, and, you know, now you're doing that again. And, and the theme of this draft of the AFC West has kind of been that big nickel that Kansas City's been driving that with the three safeties, Broncos and Raiders, definitely trying to catch up. And you wonder, Mike Mayock, a media scout, a former safety in college. Is he too enamored with that position? Is he not seeing the forest past the, past the trees? Um, and they just have this love for length at tackle, even though they might not be the best tackles. I don't know, man. It feels like they, they have lost some significant ground in this uh, arms race in the West, which is, I mean, as tough as it gets right
3: now. Yeah.
1: So and The weird thing is, like, it's not like there weren't they could have added value in those first four picks. They just, they reached on guys left and right. I don't know. Maybe maybe Mayock sees something that, that nobody else sees when it comes to draft stuff. But sure. it seems me, like one of these guys is going to lose a job here in the next couple of years, either him or Gruden. But Gruden's got like a 10-year contract.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And real quick, it's like Davin Diablo, exciting player. 6'3", 226, that hybrid player everybody wants. Not all that good at football, though. And sometimes you look at this stuff, and it it almost feels like, kind of like Dre was saying, like, they know who they want, and they're going to go get a guy like that, regardless of whether there's a guy like that who's worthy of the the draft pick that they have, Mm -hmm. whether it's the link with Alex Leatherwood, whether it's, you know, with Davin Diablo, a big safety who. How's he we put the pieces together? With Hamza Nazir Dean, why would go to right there? I, mm. I don't know. Just, just some weird decisions. Some really weird decisions.
3: You're also changing his position, too. He played linebacker at VT, and now he's moving over to safety. So
0: Yeah, and
2: he might be that, like, sub-package linebacker for them. Mm. But again... Again, that's some real projection. Did you have to make that in the third? Could you have waited for a projection pick later on? I swear to you, there are UDFA and street free agents who fit a lot of those similar profiles, but because they're such hybrids, don't have a real role. That can be an advantage for a smart front office. But here, and you know, again, it's just playing the board. I think they were trying to trade down, but couldn't, so they kind of settled on Leatherwood and. It's interesting. It's interesting. Often some of the worst drafts on paper can turn out to be some of the best, but as many have said, the Raiders under Mayock have really kind of let have lost the benefit of the doubt because now Cleveland Farrell, um, you know, who was the reach last year, Damon Arnett, they've had some bad ones that aren't really paying off. And so, sorry, this isn't the John Schneider Seahawks who when they reach on someone, you can say, well, they did get it right with Bruce Serving that one time. No, they're losing the benefit of the doubt. I mean,
0: yeah. Interesting. Demon Arnett, Interesting best known for uh, getting his hair dial over the white jersey every week. <laughs> that's what he'll <laughs> be remembered for.
1: <laughs> Here, before we move on from the AFC West, I have, a, I have a hot take I want to put out there. And that's that as much as I just criticized this Raiders class, I think three years from now, Leatherwood is going to be playing left tackle, and I think it's going to be viewed as a potentially a better pick than Slater,
3: only because he plays
1: tackle. If Slater ends up being like an all-pro guard, then maybe that ends up being kind of a bullshit take. But as far as if you were, if you were saying, which one of these guys mm-hmm. am I more confident is going to be a productive NFL tackle three years from now, I would put my money on Leatherwood.
2: I don't I, think you're wrong. I, I yeah. like that take. Yeah. Also, in Tom Cable's hands, uh, outside of Mike Benchak, few better offensive line coaches. So, um, you know, he's, he's got that going for him. But we shall see. We shall see. I love that take to end that segment.
1: Though. Hank, we have a minute for an ad read here. Let's hear from our presenting sponsor, Drakking Sportsbook.
0: Big names are headlining this weekend's UFC 262 card from Nate Diaz, Michael Chandler. There will be no shortage of action. And DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC, has a heavyweight offer for this weekend's fight with 100 to 1 odds. One fighter will be walking away with the belt, while you be walking away with the cash. Just pick the main event fighter you think will win and DraftKings Sportsbook will give you 100 One odds on that fighter. That's right. Bet $1 on select fighters, and if they win, then you win $100. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Don't worry if MMA isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers great odds and promotions on basketball, hockey, and so much more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So, download the Top Rate DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DMBR when you sign up and turn $1 into $100 when you bet on a main event or main card fighter to win. Uh, Place your bet and watch your fist fly this weekend. That's code DMBR to turn $1 into $100 on select main card fighters for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Awesome.
1: Lovely. Lovely stuff. When it my, comes uh, to party speaking home. Speaking of DraftKings, my Jokic. Oh, yeah. gonna It's going to pay out here in a couple of weeks, and I'm really looking forward to that. But I uh, go ahead and take that away, because I just interrupted you like a jerk.
0: No, oh, no, it's all good. I, I was just thinking... Uh, I kept saying before the baseball season started that I was taking Nolan Arenado to win MVP. And I'm terrified to check whether I actually ever did it because I'm not that paying too much attention to baseball, but I have seen that he has been uh, really good. The surprise of absolutely no one. Um, but Gabby Insurance. Uh, when it comes to car and home insurance, don't we deserve better? I know I do. Lots of members and staff at the NBR put their policy to the test and turned to Gabby. And when they did, Gabby saved them hundreds of dollars. Literally. Drew Kriesman, AJ Haefeli, Lindsay Sauer, all saved hundreds on their yearly rates. Eric Weedham, who you may know as D-Line Co., saved over $1.3,000. Not really sure who was stealing from him before, but he can now go on a fun vacation with all that money in the bank. Gabby literally stands for Get a Better Insurance. So, how does it work? Well, basically, they ask you for some information like your name and your zip code, that kind of stuff, and then they take a look at your insurance policy. They send an insurance policy out to 40 of the top insurance providers like Progressive Nationwide and Travelers. And then they all give you quotes for that exact same insurance. Um, it's the exact same insurance. Nothing changed except for the price you pay and I guess who you give that money to. Um, it's a really cool tool. tool. Um, the average Gavi customer saves $961 per year. Um, and they never sell your info. So no annoying spam or robocalls. Put your policy to the test like we did. Get a better insurance with Gabby. It's totally free to check out. There's no obligation. So go to Gabby.com slash dnbr. That's G-A-B-I dot slash dnbr, and figure out how much money you can save.
1: I love saving money, man. As, as I get older, like there are few things in life that bring me more joy than just like I saved 10 bucks today. My day is better. Check out Gabby. Get a better insurance. Man, I'm, I'm like kind of bummed now. I just saw a tweet that Colt Brennan passed away, a legendary college football quarterback from the University of Hawaii, only 37 years old. So that's a the transfer too. That's yeah, bit of a bit of a bummer.
0: Horrendous.
1: Horrendous. Um, what, where do you guys want to go next? you want to go to the north, the south? Do you want to go geographically? South. All right, let's go to the south? AFC South.
2: Mm-hmm. Um. I'd start with the worst of the bunch and that's the Indianapolis Colts which I think I kind of called out on the last episode so I don't need to spend too much time but you know Quiddy an amazing pick everything else is kind of trash um,
1: my notes say I love Pay that's it
2: <laughs>
1: Yeah, they, they
2: really reached in the second round I mean really reached and after that I, I don't see a pick I love in the mix. Uh-huh. I mean,
1: there's just nothing. So, what yeah, what's yeah, our line on starters here? One and a half, two?
2: Yeah, one, one and, and a half, half two. and I'd, I'd
3: hammer the under, frankly.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> I, I think I do, that's fair. I say, I do like Dio Yingbo, the guy from Vanderbilt, a guy that, you know, kind of flew under the radar a little bit. I know that Daniel Jeremiah had him ranked pretty high in his prospect rankings, but I'm saying after that, I mean, I don't even know what we're really doing here after the second round. So one and a half, maybe one is where I'd go.
0: Yeah. Um, and to kind of build on the Quiddy Pay stuff, 21, I think, is probably where he should have been drafted.
3: Like, like I don't
0: look at that pick and say, like, that's a steal. That's like, yeah, you got a good player. at, at, at Pick 21, you, you basically got the value you should get there.
3: And then from there,
0: I can't even really say that. Um, I will say that, like, the safety Sean Davis from Florida in the fifth round, uh, watching him early in the season, I was impressed. And, like, I I put him in my notebook and was like, hey, there's there's, there's one guy I kind of like. But he he wasn't worth circling back around to when we were previewing the safeties, in my mind. Um, Sam Ellinger, I do think that, like, I I guess the Saints took Ian Book and maybe not quite as late, but I do think that Sam Ellinger, it, it, it late in the sixth round, like the compensatory picks in the sixth round, that's a good pick. I think that that's a guy who could pop. Um, if we're looking for your wins at the very end of the sixth round, though, it's not a good draft class. Um, I could give it. I mean, could he Pay a decent value. I'll probably just give this one a a C minus, C minus, maybe D plus, C minus. You, you said so you gave over. it an F or a D. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, you take the over on one and a half future starters,
0: Henry? I mean, you've got Quiddy Pay. You've got your one. And and out of all those other guys, does somebody else become a starter? I'm going to say no. So, no, I'll take the under. I'll, I'll switch my grade to a D plus, too. I'll switch it to a D plus. Jake, what's your grade?
3: Yeah, I'm probably hovering around a D plus. I don't want – I mean – It's tough to be too harsh on Chris Ballard because he does have a good track record, but honestly, I mean, the tight end out of Southern Methodist, um, you're taking a guy from, I guess it's Charleston in the seventh round too, and Ellinger, I don't understand that pick at all really. So, yeah, I I, I would just say one though. Like I said, I do like Dio, but I don't know if that's really good value even at that range at 54 overall.
1: I had a D, but I'm giving him an F because after everything we've talked about, if you only land one starter, I don't, I don't know how your draft class can be anything but an F. So that's where I'm at. Let's move on. Um, we went a pretty long on the AFC West, so we're going to rapid fire a little bit here on some of these other teams. The AFC South, not a lot of sexy draft classes like mm-hmm. the, Texans, the West. I mean,
2: the West is probably going to be the best drafting division, at least in the AFC, because there are some stinkers out there, fellas. Yeah
1: yeah agreed and I, I think the NFC as a whole really did better than the AFC when I started going through this and we can kind of dive into that um on the next one but one of the teams I want to hear your guys's perspective on is Houston because they had no draft capital so it's it's kind of tough to blame them I mean Bill O'Brien you blame him for destroying their entire franchise but like I like Nico Collins where they added him Brevin Jordan might pan out I I gave him a C because I just feel like they made okay with the situation that they were in, but it's definitely not a sexy class.
3: Yeah, I think that's spot on. Um, I talked a lot about Nico Collins this year. I just don't know if this is the best spot for him because I thought he could be a really impactful number two right away. Um, And I think he might actually be forced into that X role early on. So we'll see if he's able to perform. Uh, Brevin Jordan, a guy we talked about a lot too, they do have kind of a void at tight end. Um, I mean, Jordan Aikens has made some plays, but that's really all they have there. So there's a path for him to see some playing time. I just, I struggle to get above one and a half starters with this class and I'm around a C2. Yeah.
2: Considering just two top hundred picks, um, five picks overall. Yeah. I think one and a half is a solid number, two top hundred prospects for me. It's a C-. minus. Um, honestly, if they went, you know, with an actual need on the Davis Mills pick rather than quarterback given all the uncertainty they have behind center right now, this could have actually been a pretty nice draft. But I think Collins and Brevin Jordan, um, you could have done a lot worse with a team that does need to add weapons, certainly.
1: I think uh, they'll both start. I, I don't know if they'll be that productive as
0: starters, but I think they're going
1: to be starters.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, I have... Uh, We'll, we'll see about Brandon Jordan. I, I agree with Nico Collins, but yeah, if, if the line set at one and a half starters, I'm taking the under. Um, and I'm looking at Nico Collins probably as the guy who's a starter. No nope, no guarantee there, though, I, I would say. Like Dre was saying, you no, know, it's the Davis Mills pick that I just hate. Like, talk about Sam Ellinger. I like Sam Ellinger in the end of the sixth a lot, lot, lot better than Davis Mills began the third. And the difference between those two. Maybe, maybe may negligible. I, I would go that far, um, but yeah, uh, C minus. Just because, yeah. I mean, how can you really screw up having that little capital to the point where you deserve an F? You know.
1: The Saints. Let's talk about the Titans. I, mm-hmm. I, this one was one of the hardest ones for me to grade because, like, I feel like Farley. If he's healthy, he's a stud. I like Reddums, but I don't know if he's going to translate. So it's yeah. so many question marks. Like if. These guys reach their ceiling. It's like a B plus for me. But because I have so many question marks, I gave them just a B or, you know, B, B minus. Just because like I like the first two guys they added a lot. Later rounds, not so much.
2: Well, and the real disaster is with Rashad Weaver, their fourth rounder. He's already in some major legal trouble. So that. Oh,
1: really? Oh, I didn't even know that. So and, I mean, drop it even is... lower then.
2: You know, this is a team that's been big on taking risks. Um, Simmons out of Mississippi State has turned out to be a massive win for them two years ago. Isaiah Wilson last year, arguably the worst first round pick maybe in modern NFL history. Um, and they're rolling the dice again with Caleb Farley, which I think is a good pick. I frankly don't love Radunes. I think Monty Rice was maybe overdrafted just a smidge. I love the Elijah Molden pick. They really needed that. Um, and I think they left a little to be desired on day three. For me, it's a C-1 top 40, two top 100. Five draftable grades, though, which is
3: nice. Um, yeah. I uh, really yeah. want to try and like this class because yes. I do really like the top four picks. Um, you know, you get that replacement immediately for Isaiah Wilson and Raddins. Yeah. Um, you had two secondary players that I think could really make an impact year one. And then Monty Rice was one of my favorite linebackers all year. I know they're pretty stacked in the linebacker room, uh, but you added another sideline-to-sideline side guy that could play. I'm with you, though, Dre. Day three, I don't really understand what's going on. And then I really thought this team needed to add some more wide receiver help. I mean, you drafted two guys on day three, Des Fitzpatrick and Racy McMath. Yeah. I don't know how much they're going to be able to help you this next year. Um, I did, They just don't really have anything. They lost Johnny Smith. Uh, I think they released Delaney Walker, too. Uh, they don't really have any replacement for Corey Davis, so it's just going to be the A.J. Brown show, I guess, this year.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think I might be a little bit higher than you guys. Uh, I give him a B-. minus. Um, Caleb Farley, similar, similar to Quiddy Pay pick. I, I think that that's just a good value for him. And because the concerns are, are medical, I think that you – not all the concerns, of course, but some of them. You can look at him as somebody who it's like, if we – if he is ready to play, and if he can play, then he's going to be a contributor. You know, and, and for a team that I think sees itself as a contender, that's what you're looking for. And similar to how we're talking about the Chiefs draft, you go get Dylan Ray Dunes. I don't love the value at, at, at the middle of the second round, but I do think that's the way you can look to and say this is going to be important piece replaces Isaiah Wilson, something that needed to get done rather than getting somebody who maybe is a better, more valuable prospect at that point. Bonnie Rice, the the team's identity as linebackers, they have some. It it makes sense, and it's an all-right pick. Elijah Bolton in the slot, I think that, you know, third round, I like that. And then I'll also add Brady Breeze at the end. He's another guy who just doesn't have, like, the upside because he doesn't have the size and the tools and that kind of stuff. But he's been very productive. Rose Bowl MVP, maybe the most impactful player in that secondary for Oregon out of all these guys who got drafted. Um, but just doesn't project as an NFL guy. If it fits though, then all of a sudden you might have a rotational piece on the defensive side, and that's a good use of a late sixth round pick. Um, I like that you I'm added the, to... the
1: contender caveat, though. You know, like it's a different it's a different philosophy when you're drafting as a contender versus when you're drafting, like you know, for the rebuild. But I don't know. I'm I'm right with you, Hank. I feel like B minus is fair.
0: Yeah, that's that's where I'm at. Um, and then uh, starters. I'd say Farley, Radunes. I'd say at three. Three and a half. Three and a
2: half would be my number. I'd hammer the under. I think two and a half might yeah. be more reasonable.
1: I'd put two and a half, yeah. Really? Let's yeah. um let's finish up this division and pro- I guess we're saving the best for last. The only really interesting draft class in this division. The Jacksonville Jaguars, who Got their quarterback. They got an explosive running back. And Travis Etienne reports that they wanted Tony instead. I love that they added Tyson Campbell. I think Walker Little was decent value, although I don't, you know, love him. But I, you know, he could pan out there. I gave him an A. I mean, I think if you add a franchise quarterback, that's already puts you, you know, in in a really solid position. But I like the guys that they added around him. I thought the Jaguars did a little bit better job than you know the Jets per se on the follow up picks.
3: Yeah, I'm not really big on giving credit on hitting the first overall pick. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, that's fair. It's just it's an easy one, especially this year. Um, factoring in Lawrence, I'd probably say it's an a. Uh, but for fun, I'm just gonna kind of factor him out at this point and just see how they added depth. Uh, I'd probably go around a B plus. I do like what they did in round two a lot. Uh, it's just a lot of not a lot, but there's some risky picks involved. Uh, Andre Cisco. The injury and, you know, he's been risky, a risky player at times. Walker Little, we just haven't seen play in so long. Um, Day three, I wasn't a big fan of, but I think you really look at the first five picks with this class and I don't know, four, I think is a decent number here. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, it's five top hundred picks, two first rounders, two second rounders. So you better be bringing home at least four future starters. Shoot, you should be bringing home five. A very Urban Meyer type of, I'm getting all these five stars, Tyson Campbell, Walker Little, Andre Sisko, J2 Fele, you know, um, old friend's son, Luke Farrell, because there's got to be some nepotism with Urban or it wouldn't feel right. Um, So, you know, it's just like, it's a good vibes only, you know, old boys club only. It's a C minus for me. It's two top 40 prospects. Great. But that's what you should have done. Congrats on doing your job. Um, four top 100 prospects. Okay, good. not terrific though. I, I would have liked to see five. Um, all in all, though, it's a solid class and it will be a good building block class to kind of set the foundation
1: for this franchise. I get the logic, but we do see teams screw this up a lot. I mean, we talked about the Raiders. they had four picks and you know the top 100, and we project them to have like two starters. Yeah. so I don't know see that it feels a little bit like a harsh of a grade to me, I guess, but I probably went I probably gave them too much credit for just doing their job
2: but yeah, I mean that's where it comes down to is the Jew. you you gotta balance that but I mean I would argue you know with the first pick in the fourth
0: round that's almost six picks in the top hundred True. yeah a lot yeah, it's a lot, yeah. And, and that's that's the pick that sticks out to me. that's probably my favorite pick they made jT Faley. He was very impactful when he was at USC, and I thought that he should have been drafted higher. Um, But when you look around, who else stands out as just like a plus value? And the answer to me is none of them. Um, I I like the fits. I like the strategy. I like going after a running back at the end of the first round. That is kind of old, given that there are so many holes on that roster. Um, And so I, I do like a lot of the things that they did in terms of I mean, it's kind of just executing what you should be doing, but deciding to go running back. I like the Walker little pick. Um, Andre Sisco, I think, is a good risk for that team to take. Um, but at the same time, how much credit can you give them given what they had? I'm just going to give it a, a, a B, just a B. They they did what they were supposed to do. No more, no less.
3: That's completely fair, I think.
1: Well, I mean, by that description, then I guess Dre's grade um like the traditional grade system would be accurate right isn't that like what a c is supposed to be like the the border the baseline of what you're supposed it's to accomplish? yep I
0: think better nothing
1: less
0: the b is what you're supposed to get
2: <laughs> i like it I like it getting softer in my old age. Maybe
1: I'll start doing that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's go through the AFC North real quick and then we'll hit our last break and then we'll wrap up with the AFC East. Cause I just think the East is a little bit more intriguing than the AFC North. Um, yeah. although there, there were some fun, some fun classes here. Jake, who do you want to start with?
3: Um, I've already talked about the Ravens and the Steelers. So I'm going to go to Cleveland, uh, I really like this class, just I think they found value at every pick here. Um, Greg Newsom probably slides in as an immediate starter across from Denzel Ward. Uh, JOK, assuming that the heart is okay, uh, which, I mean, he said that he didn't even know he had the issue, and it's just something that popped up during the process. Uh, If he can come in and really play that, you know, that star hybrid safety nickel role, this defense got a lot better just with those first two picks um anthony schwartz i wasn't really too on board on but i do like yeah. the value that they added on day three uh james hudson tommy toji tommy and uh taking flyers on our guys richard LeCount and Demetric felton i think this class is a solid a minus mm-hmm.
2: completely agree a minus for me to three top 65 four top hundred six draftable really nice haul for a team drafting in the late 20s um I frankly don't love the Newsome pick, but JOK and James Hudson, I thought were just terrific value. And I love their their fifth and sixth rounder, LeCount, Felton, two of my favorites. So really, really a nice draft.
0: Yep. Uh, I'll, I'll add, my question is actually kind of with JOK. You know, the, the info about like the heart issues comes out after the draft, something that mm-hmm. we didn't know, and we still really don't know the details. Um, and so I, I struggle to give that a uh, um, like a, like a plus value even though i did think that he should have picked 30 40 picks earlier just because there's a there's got to be a serious reason that nobody did this because we've had we've heard about that uh, i still give him an a minus though in particular because of what Dre said richard the count the fifth, he has his flaws that he's slow and all that kind of stuff but he was good at football when we watched him play football demedric Felton, that's a great value um and greg newsome i like it it's it, a speedy corner when you're again thinking you're a contender, going up against the Chiefs, that's that's what the AFC contender should be thinking about. And I think that he helps you there, A minus, and you probably get I think you get two starters out of this. And I might set that line at two and a half, which is kinda of weird to
3: think about given that I gave him an A minus. I'd go a bit higher at three and a half, but yeah, I agree for the most part. Hmm. I like just okay?
1: class. Yeah, it's oh, yeah. it's
3: a good
1: point. I mean It it could be career ending, and if that happens, that's going to be devastating. You know, you just you never know with these type of of situations. It could be not a factor at all. There have been other guys that have come out with similar things, and they've gone on to have successful careers, not get delayed at all. So, we'll see. I, I like this Browns draft class a lot. I'm not super high on Newsom, but I do think he's just like a safe pick. Yeah, I think there were corners that have a lot higher ceilings, but I do think that he'll translate. I love JOK. Obviously, hope that he pans out. You know, you mentioned some of this work that they did later. I just feel like for a team that was drafting as late as they did, they did a really good job of adding people, not just with high ceilings, but guys that were relatively low risk. I mean, other than JOK, obviously, in the health stuff. I just mean from a talent-wise and, and how I see them translating. I gave them an A, one of my favorite draft classes in the AFC, at least. Uh, very, very intriguing.
2: For sure. For sure. Really nice group.
1: Let's go on to the Steelers, because they're, they're a weird one. Um, and we talked about this a little bit on draft night and, and the follow up pod. Najee Harris makes a ton of sense schematically. Does he actually make them a better team? You don't add a quarterback. I I don't know. Fryermouth in the second round feels like a bit of a stretch, though. Yeah. Roethlisberger has leaned on tight ends his entire career. So maybe they're just trying to give him that, you know, little safety net. I do think Quincy Roche is one of the better steals in the draft, but overall, just kind of like a meh class. I gave it a C. Mm hmm.
2: Yeah, day 3 bumps them up to a B minus. I really like the Roche pick obviously. And I think Van Moore in the 4th is a really nice fit for this their system kind of that big hulking offensive tackle that li- they like. Um so yeah, I mean kind of a meh draft, taking care of business, good not great picks in the first 3 rounds, but then I thought they got some nice value on day 3 so that bumps them up to a B minus.
3: Yeah, I'm about the same. I'm going to go with solid C, just straight average. I think you really filled a hole with Najee. Um, Potentially got a starter in Pat Fryermuth. Other than that, um, kind of just the same thing. I liked Roche and Trey Norwood, uh, but that's really about it. So maybe I'm going to sit one and a half. That even might be a bit low. I'd maybe even go to two on future starters. I think two and a
0: half,
2: maybe even three is where you'd want that
0: I think two and a half right there. Yeah. Hank? Yeah. Uh, I, very Steelers class. Running back, tight end, center tackle, inside linebacker, defensive tackle, oh, pass yeah. rusher. And <laughs> in the seventh they have the corner of punter. And because of that, I really, really want to love it because I do think, like, lean into your identity, be that team. At the same time, like, I love the Najee pick. I think that that was absolutely the right decision. Prior mute in the second, uh, all the rest of those guys. Yeah, whatever. Rocher is a good value
1: B minus. I think that's pretty accurate. It's like you know they were, it was fine. They didn't they didn't bomb it. I just I wonder mm-hmm. how much better are the Steelers after this draft class than they were last season, and and I'm not sure it's significant. But Najee Harris is my favorite running back, so that alone mm-hmm. is worth the C plus B minus um, grade. The Bengals, a really interesting one. They pass mm-hmm. on Sewell. I love Jamar Chase. I thought, you know, Osai was a steal in the third. I do wonder if they're going to regret not taking a tackle earlier, but I gave him a a solid B.
3: I think that's fair. Um, You know, the big debate's going to be on that fifth overall pick, but if Jamar Chase ends up being who we think he will be, um, and this receiving core is already pretty solid, uh, top to bottom, I think it's a pretty good pick. Um, But... Really, after that, I mean, Joseph Osai and Jackson Carmen. I mean, they're fine. Uh, Cam Sample as well. Tyler Shelvin, you know, drafting a nose tackle. I think you got decent value at 122 overall. Um, I'm excited to see Chris Evans. I think that he's someone that could potentially carve out a role Mm -hmm. early on. But outside of that, I'd probably say two again, maybe one and a half um, on future starters. Uh, It's a lot of development that's going to have to happen here.
2: Yeah, I mean, two top 40 guys with Chase and Osai for me, but the rest of the way, it's not that I hate Evans, Hubbard, Dante Smith, Shelvin, or even Cam Sample, or even Jackson Carmen. I thought they could have got better value, especially on the offensive line. Um, And yeah, I just don't think they were able to maximize their draft. And in retrospect, looking at this class, looking at the trade down they make in the second round and going for chase over Sul, despite all the depth that wide receiver, I think it's hard to argue against. They probably didn't choose the wisest course of action to maximize all their picks.
1: Their quarterback is coming off of a season in which he was injured because they couldn't protect him. They had a chance to take a generational tackle. Like, I... Jamar Chase is a freak. Like I liked even my cool. wide receiver one. I like him as much as I liked any skilled player in this draft.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It isn't going to matter if Joe Burrow's on his ass because he's getting hit from the blind side all day.
0: No. No. Yep, and to me, It's very similar to the Broncos in a lot of ways. With the Jamar Chase, Penny Sewell thing, it's like I would have taken Justin Fields instead of Patrick Sertan. Still got a really good player. You could turn out to be right. And I'm willing to not dock you too much. That's how I feel about the Penny Sewell, Jamar Chase thing. The difference is from then on, not not a whole much that I'm in love with. Joseph Osai as an all-American edge rusher who isn't much of like a pass rusher, more of like a run defender. Speaking of the third round to me is about probably where he should fit in. Um, and it's just tough to find other things you really like. Uh, I'm going to give him just a straight C. I
1: think I'm going to change my grade to C+. I think B was probably a little too generous based on everything you guys said and what they did in the back end. Um, let's wrap up, let's wrap up this division with the dirty birds, the Baltimore Ravens. One of the more interesting draft classes. I mean, I think they did a good job of adding talent around Lamar Jackson. Obviously the big question being though, are they going to regret, you know, trading their offensive tackle away? Jake, you know, you're, you kind of all in on Lamar and this Ravens class. Where are you at with it?
3: Yeah, I think this is just a solid overall Ravens class. I think they got value. Everywhere that they picked, I'd probably go around A-. minus. Future starters, I would probably hover around three, maybe three and a half. Uh, Jason Owe, I'm excited to see how he develops there. I think that's a really nice landing spot for him. Um, And then Ben Cleveland, I could see him sliding in and starting right away. Also, uh, if Rashad Bateman is just able to really... I wasn't as big on him as you guys were. Um, I don't know if he's ready to be that true number one early on, but that's the role that he's going to be forced into. Uh, I'm excited to see how it all works out. I, I'll go three and a half starters, uh, A- minus again. Yeah. Right.
2: Um, it's a B for me. Only one top 40 player, which, you know, with two firsts, you'd think you could pull that off a little better, but only zero seconds and two thirds. And, you know, they come away with four top 100 prospects. So that's right around what you'd expect. I thought it's an interesting draft in that, you are going with high floor guys almost across the board, but you also took maybe the highest ceiling guy at one of the premium positions in this draft in OA. So it's an interesting way to mostly go really safe and then take a big swing on the talented edge rusher out of Penn State who who we'll see. We shall see on that.
0: Where are you guys at
1: with the Tylan Wallace pick?
2: I love it. I for me, that really elevated their class. Yeah. Like,
1: I like Bateman a lot. I, you know, I he was one of my favorite receivers, but I think adding both of them, that's two better receivers than the Ravens have been working with in the last three
0: years.
3: It, it's I a agree. very diverse receiving core now. So I like that pick just from that mm-hmm. standpoint.
0: I, I still do think they need some size. Like, right now, who's your size guy? It's Sammy Watkins, probably. And they got, got Miles, like Boykin. Six, one, two, 10, Miles Boykin. Miles Boykin, too. But, but yeah that's about it (laughs) a good size guy you know and so to me like bateman was a really good pick he fits into that offense really well at the same time i might have found somebody who doesn't fit into that off you can't not not everybody needs to run jet sweeps that's that's kind of where i'm at but he does do other things i just would like for one big target
2: yeah i mean (sighs) The thing is Bateman Wallace undersized, but really, really competitive at the point of attack, you know? So they play
0: bigger. Yeah,
2: exactly. So I think that's what you're gambling on there.
0: Yeah. But yeah, I I agree with basically everything you guys said. I like Dalen Hayes in the fifth round. I I like that. They added a fullback in the fifth round first. I mean, just because they're the Ravens. I like that. Um, B it's a B took advantage of good value. Ben Cleveland's another good pick. Maybe you could talk yourself into B B-plus, but I think it's a B.
1: Solid. I think, you know, we're all pretty much right around the same spot. They, you know, not a phenomenal draft class, but they did good with the position that they were in. Added some talent for Lamar. They're a contender. They're in a different position than some of these other teams are. We've got one division left to go through, and we're going to go through it a little bit faster than some of the others, but we've got one final ad break. Hank, take it away, my man.
0: We have... Some very important breaking news. Uh, this is an important PSA brought to you by Manscaped.com. Um, this is your public service announcement and the news you've all been waiting for. The Manscaped engineering team has confirmed they have successfully created the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which is now available for purchase in the USA and Canada. I'm excited because I'm headed into the DMVR bar today to pick up my own Lawnmower 4, 4.0. I'll be back with a review next week. Don't worry. But uh, seriously, this new trimmer was just released. We're one of the first to get our hands on it, share the news. You should join the over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you. You can get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code DNBR at Manscaped.com. Uh, their advanced ceramic blade and skin-safe technology is so good that it almost seems as if Manscaped worked with Elon Musk's engineers to ensure your testes are as safe as possible. Um, there's there's so many awesome uh, perks that come along with this. Um, we we've told you about like the, the 3.0 with the light, with the skin-safe technology, all of that stuff. Um, but they have a new multi-function on-off switch, which can engage a travel lock created for people who like to travel. Um, you have the ability to turn on the 4,000K LED spotlight uh, on and off when needed for a more precise shave. The new trimmer even allows you to customize your trim all over through additional guard lengths with sizes 1 to 4. And looks-wise, it's sleek with a two-toned matte and gloss finish, even features a hot foil-stamped black chrome Manscaped logo. Show, show that lower off loud and proud. Uh, did I mention wireless charging? Lawnmower 4.0's new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery length last longer. If you're still trimming your face with your ball trimmer, it's time to make some changes. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code dnvr at manscaped.com. No person wants to end up with pubes in their mouth and your balls will thank you. Like I said, (laughs) get 20% off and free shipping with the code dnvr at manscaped.com. That's 20% off of free shipping at Manscaped.com. If you use the code DMBR. unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. I was a three. Absolutely oh,
3: legendary. I'm a
0: four-person. Never <laughs> know where those right are, are going
1: to go. <laughs> oh man. I love Manscaped, man. Shout out to them. They're always hooking us up with awesome products. Um, gotta love them. Gotta love our partners. Make sure you support them. Supporting them is supporting us. Also, Make sure you subscribe to DMVR. Become a member. Now is a great time to become a member. We've got post-draft content. The playoffs are ramping up with the Nuggets and Avalanche. The Rockies exist, but Drew and all of them do an amazing job of creating interesting content, still making it fun to be a baseball fan. Despite the miserable existence that is being a Colorado Rockies fan at the moment, and it is very miserable. But we've got one division left to go over. Our guy Dre had to run family stuff, we all understand, but we'll go over his notes for you. Hank, we're on the AFC East. I'm going to let you pick which team do you want to start with?
0: Um. Well, as uh, the man who's working in alphabetical order, I'm going to go with Buffalo. Uh, <laughs> we're going to, I guess you start with Greg Russo, Carlos Basham in the first and second round, end of the first and second round. Then Spencer Brown at the end of the third round, a nice developmental tackle. I really like this class. Um, maybe you could have some questions about the day three stuff, but the, the day three stuff is the least important stuff. Um, and so I think that I give them. I'm, I'm going to go at an A minus. I really like Carlos Basham. I really like Greg Russo in that defense. Um, and I like that they leaned into their identity, tried to get better at what they're good at. And. Uh, this seems like what a team in that position should be adding is, is some pop on that
3: defensive line and maybe some more blocking. Yep. I agree. I think it's a really nice class. I'm going to go B plus though. Um, Mm -hmm. Just again, the day three stuff, I do like uh, Marquez Stevenson at that spot. DeMar Hamlin was a guy I thought that was impactful at Pitt uh, throughout the year. Although when you looked at the testing and his just overall size, that's a bit concerning. So he's a bit of an outlier in that department. But yeah, the first three picks I think are fantastic. Um, I don't think either of these guys need to really start right away too. So you bought yourself some time uh, when it comes to development. Um, But best case scenario, you have two new screaming edge rushers um, and a developmental tackle that has all the physical tools imaginable. Uh, I would actually set future starters, I guess, at three and a half. I really see the first three guys uh, one day starting for them. And then Marquez Stevenson, I mean, they lost uh, John Brown, right? So now you have that other field stretcher. I think Gabe Davis goes in for a huge year on this team. Just a little side note. I do too.
1: Drake gave him a B plus, uh, Three top sixty five picks, four top one hundred picks. I give him a B plus as well. I, I really like what they did with those top three picks. Um, I mean, be, being able to land three of the top sixty five where they were drafting and considering the talent that they have. I mean, this Buffalo team—they're in position to be really good for a really long time. Um, they're just little by little each year. They just seem to be getting better. They're building that thing from the ground up, and it's a lot of fun to see, especially just a a franchise that, in my opinion, kind of deserves it. Like, it's been miserable for them for, like, three decades. Like, we deserve a good Buffalo Bills after having to uh, endure the Patriots up and close. And speaking of the Patriots, let's go with them. I gave them an A. Like, I don't know, that might be a little bit... Dre, give them an a minus. They got two top 40, four top 106 draftable players. They got a QB without having to trade up from 15. I think Barrymore is going to be a star. I just really like what they did. Like, I don't think it was necessarily the sexiest draft class, but I think they got a lot better and that's why I'm going to give them an a Jake, where are you out with the pads?
3: Yeah, I think I'm pretty similar. B plus at worst a minus a at best, um, you know, Mac Jones, I don't know if he... I want to give Cam another shot um, just because, you know, mm-hmm. getting COVID in the middle of the season. And I think that you saw in those first three, four games that he was really able to get it rolling. And, I think uh, he will, some, don't
1: you guys, though? Like, I'd be pretty surprised if he's not at least week one.
3: I think so. I mean, the only concern I would really have with this class is I don't know if you added enough weapons uh, for a team that was really lacking last year. Uh, but every pick, I think they found value. I think I saw... Um, today that Cameron grown actually might miss the entire year with an ACL. Uh, yeah, so I'm that's bummer. a bit of a bummer. Mm-hmm. But still, Barmore in the second, Perkins in the third, Ramondre, Ramondre Stevenson in the fourth, and Bledsoe in the sixth I think are all really good value. Uh, I would say three and a half future starters on this team. Yeah, I think three
0: and a half, I think three and a half is right. Um, it felt a little bit high at first, but when you look at Bearmore, Perkins, Armandre Stevenson. I think you got three there, and then Mac Jones, McGroen. There, there's so many guys who could be that last one. I, I think the three and a half is a good spot. Um, I'm going to give him an A minus. I think that uh, Mac Jones, 15. That's that's good value. Uh, I think that you know there was a world where he was going to go number three overall, and <laughs> to get that quarterback at number 15, especially a guy who you know, there's people who want to fight about whether he really is a good fit for the Patriots or not. All that's valid. What I can say is that he executes well. He's a smart guy. He can run a system, and if you can do that, things are going to work out just fine in New England. Um but yeah, Ramondre Stevenson, a guy we like. Um, Barmore Perkins. It's just a good, solid draft class. I do consider knocking them a little bit more for what Jake said. They they need weapons, and I'm not sure that they got those. So, that's just don't do
1: that we'll though. See. Like, Belichick just yeah, doesn't, true. he just doesn't draft receivers. Like, and the I one mean, time I, they tried with the kid out of ASU, it, it didn't work. I'm trying to carry, I'm trying to kill Harry. Yeah.
3: yeah but, yeah. real quick, I mean, in free agency, I think they did a solid job adding Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar. I mean, they're not going to be guys that really transform and make you transform your ad- identity and make you, you know, a legitimate threat when it comes to outside guys but kendrick Bourne was a guy i really liked in san francisco and you get someone that can stretch the field in aguilar so i do think it's a bit better the receiving core this year i just still don't think it's great
0: yeah and i kind of like that strategy at this point you can find receivers anywhere why waste draft picks on them especially Mm -hmm. when you know would you rather have ronnie pick perkins or the the, whoever was there at the end of the third round in terms of receivers you know the value would probably the talent would say take the receiver, but then then like sits on your bench for a year and then next year he starts to become somebody like Kendrick Bourne. You can go get a decent receiver for four or five million bucks. That's that's not a bad plan. I'll stick with my A minus. All
1: right, let's go on to Miami, who seems to be based on the the draft stuff I've read, they're kind of a depends on what side of the fence you're on. Some people are really high on them, other people's not so much. And I think it has to do with they took a lot of guys that have insane upside, but also just a lot of risks. Injury, history. I love Jalen Phillips, and I love Jalen Waddle. I think their potential, if they pan out, this is going to be a phenomenal draft class. I also like that they added Holland. Hunter Long, I think, could be a steal in the fourth round. Like, Hunter Long in the fourth versus Fryer in the second. I love Hunter Long in the fourth a hell of a lot more. Mm-hmm. But again, it's just like, is Waddle healthy? Is Phillips healthy? I don't know, but I give him a B+. Plus.
3: Yeah, I'm about there with you. I think that in terms of Jalen Waldo, I don't think you really need to worry about injuries. I mean, broken bones are broken bones. Um, not really a long-term risk, but I am concerned about Jalen Phillips for sure. Uh, hopefully he's able to have a long and good career in Miami, um, staying in his own backyard too, which is pretty cool to see. The first five picks, though, I really like. And I like that this team kind of committed to Tua with this class um, I thought he was unfairly criticized a lot of the time last year, um, so I'm going to say three and a half future starters. I really think the top three picks uh, are going to have a good chance of being a starter, and then you know we'll see with Eichenberg and Hunter Long. I think those are two guys that were worth the risk at that point. I'm going to go B plus with this class.
0: I'm uh, I'm going to go B minus with C plus being a little bit more tempting than B, just because you look at the assets they had, the sixth pick the 18th pick, number four and 10 in the second round, middle of the third round. I I think that you could have gotten
1: more talent. Um, Only two top 40 guys on Dre's board, just like going along with what you're saying.
0: Yeah, I I think that Jalen Waddle wouldn't have been my pick at six, you know, and and he's a good receiver. I still do think Devontae Smith was the move there. Again, that's the kind of nitpicky stuff, but that's why I don't look at that pick as one where I say, hey, good job there. That was. Sure, do what you want. I'm not going to knock you for it. Um, Jalen Phillips at 18, basically the same thing. I, I think that that's one you say that's where people thought he would go. That's where I thought he would go. There you go. You, you did what you probably should have done. And then with Javon Holland, maybe just a little bit early there. Liam Eikenberg, maybe just a little bit early there. I See, I, I would have rather they waited for Spencer Brown, you know, and, and – just because of some of that kind of stuff hunter long i'm there's kind of the hype train going i, I never was quite on top of that they they didn't ruin their graph by any means but I, I do think that they could have came away with just a little bit more so b minus
1: for reference dre gave them a b plus uh, like i said a second ago they ended up with two of his top 40 guys but five of his top 100 guys So a lot mm-hmm. of value um again though as I mentioned at the beginning this is I've noticed it amongst draft people online the the Dolphins it's a very it's one of the few teams out there where I think people's opinions are very very differing like there are always going to be a couple of those you know like if you're super anti-Mac Jones then you probably think the Patriots had a poor draft class or if you love him then you probably think they had a phenomenal draft class but It's just interesting with the Dolphins, given that they have like three or four of those guys that people seem to be like, no, I fucking love him, or I hate him. I'm rooting for Jua. I'm rooting for Miami. I think it'd be fun to have a good Dolphins team. I'm rooting for anybody not named New England. Um, Let's look at the Jets, who, I, I don't know, Dre gave them an A. They had three top 30 guys, four top 100 guys. They did add Zach Wilson, who I love a lot, but... I don't know. I was more like B on them. Like I, thought, I thought it was okay draft class. I didn't love the guys that they took after And Where are you guys at?
3: I really like this class. I'm probably more in line with Dre. I think this is about an A. I think you got, you know, we set the bar pretty high with the Broncos. I think that's where you got to go with this class. I think you're around four and a half of uh, future starters. I love the first four picks. I don't know if Elijah Moore is necessarily... A guy that can be a wide receiver one just because of the size uh but his gate the game is there uh you know if denzel mims really pans out for them they do have corey davis also i think that adding elijah moore is just what this receiving core needed i love elijah vera tucker um but again this class is all dependent on zach wilson uh if he you know a lot of people are saying he was probably the most uh bust likely quarterback in the first round and then you find your probably your starting running back in the fourth round in Michael Carter, which I thought was tremendous value. He was a
1: great pick. Yeah, uh-huh.
3: um, I I think Joe Douglas really knocked this out of the park. I'm going to say four and a half future starters and an A. Is
1: Vera Tucker a tackle? Before we move on, because i I'm, I consider guard. him a guard, and yeah, that's why I'm not guard, yeah. quite as high on it. Like I think they needed a tackle, and I think that they're going to try and play him that tackle. But again, it's it's much like the Slater situation for me. And- We'll see, they could pan out, but it's just it's a weird tackle class in general.
0: Hank, <laughs> where are you at with this New York class? Uh, B plus. B plus. Um so so going through what I really like. Um Michael Carter, the running back, because like, they took a couple in the fourth round. I, I really like that pick. Hamza Naziral Dean in the sixth, really, really like that. You know, I was I was sitting at the bar pounding the table for Tom's and Azrael Dean instead of Cadence Turns And that pick came through, um, and did, I still feel that way. Excited about that, but yeah, I, I think that getting him in the sixth round is a good value. Um, from there though, it's like Elijah Tucker again. You got him at fourteen, cool. I, I like the pick. I like the pick. It's a plus pick. Um, Elijah Moore top of the second. That's that tier receivers where I would have said, let me trade down to the bottom of the second, and take my pick to who's left. That would have been my move. Zach Wilson at two. That's what everybody was saying personally I don't know the separation between him and the other three non Trevor Lawrence quarterbacks all that big. And so I don't even, you know, it, it, they did, they had a lot of assets. I think they did well and I'll give them a B plus. The big question for me is again, like,
1: I think Wilson could be really good. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think Vera Tucker could be really good, but I'm just not quite as sure on some of these guys with the jets. Like I, I like their potential, but I'm not sure that their floor is as high as, you know, like even looking at what some of the guys in their own division did. Like, I like what Miami and Buffalo did. I just feel like they, I don't know. The, the AFC had a really good draft, like in general, as a, as a whole, the, the division did well.
3: I think no that's just a factor of it being the Jets. You know, we're used to seeing them take just head-scratching picks, and I think they actually <laughs> really did. I mean, there's a lot of unknown with this class for sure, starting with Zach Wilson, of course. But if these all hit, this is going to be a tremendous draft class that could potentially change this franchise's Tending, trajectory. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I, will,
0: uh, I want to ask a question. So, so, obviously, practically, we all knew that the Jets were going to take a quarterback number two overall. And that was the right decision, that kind of stuff. But if you were able to go back and change your picks, which you are not, would you rather have Zach Wilson and Elijah Barrett Tucker or Penny Stuhl and Mac Jones? and it's probably low-eyes people. That's just some question in Mac
1: Jones, but that's just cuz I think that all, you know, all world tackles are harder to come by. And so when we're looking mm-hmm. at value there and I I do believe in Mac Jones at the next level. So if we're going at those two, I think that's the safer bet. But I mean, I think the ceiling's probably higher with Zach Wilson and, and Elijah Vera Tucker.
3: I think it's actually probably pretty similar between them. I think that the higher ceiling play would obviously be going for Zach Wilson just because of him, you yeah. know? Yeah. He could potentially be like a top five, top 10 quarterback in this league, mm-hmm. which is what you want to swing for with when you're picking a quarterback this high, right? Um, not to say that Mac Jones couldn't hit that. I just think that his chance of hitting that is not as high as Zach Wilson, but on the flip side, Zach Wilson's bus potential, I think is a lot higher than Mac mm-hmm. Jones. So yeah. it's, it's an interesting proposition for sure. Um, I like the Jets just taking the swing though, man. I think that that's yeah. what this team has to do. Uh, it's been very rough for them for a long time. And it's, it's finally exciting for this team, which I think is fun.
0: Let me sweeten it just a little for you. So they pass on Zach Wilson. That means all the quarterbacks get bumped down just a little bit. Justin Fields is available at 14. Can he Justin Fields or Zach Wilson and Elijah Barry Tucker?
3: That I think now we're sword. talking a bit more <laughs> that okay. I would probably yeah. swing off of Wilson at this point and take Fields. I, I, you know, the, the Vera Tucker pick is kind of weird too because you did trade up for him. Trading up for a guard at 14th overall that potentially might have been there You know, a bit later. Uh, I can't remember where they were originally slotted. I think they were like 20th. Um, 18 or 20, yeah. Yeah, so I think you could have got Vera Tucker there Um, but I think that's just a bit nitpicking. I really like this class.
1: I agree. I might have nitpicked a little too much on this Jets one, but that's what we are here to do, right? Um, That's it, man. That's that's it for the AFC. We went through all the divisions. We gave everybody grades. You guys have any final thoughts you want to throw out there before we hit the road? I love George Payton. Love George Payton. (laughs) I'm hyped, man. I think a couple mm-hmm. years from now, people are going to look really fondly on this Broncos draft class. I know it, it feels weird saying that because everybody was in such a bad mood after that first night, yeah. and then really going into day two. But I, I think the Broncos had a really solid draft. Like I just, I'll admit, every part of me believes the Denver Broncos are acquiring Aaron Rodgers, and because of that, the guys that were added on top of that, I'm like, oh my god, we are going to be so freaking good. But.
3: Exactly. Even if they
1: don't, Andy, Raj, like, I, I think it's going to be a, a pretty solid class for a few years from now.
3: Just going through the offseason, they were very highly regarded favorites in terms of getting Deshaun Watson and Aaron Rodgers. So I, it seems now, when you look in retrospect on this draft class, that that's been the plan all along. Um, not to take a risk on the rookie quarterback, but to get a for sure thing, an actual top five quarterback in the NFL, which that's would... A good point you know, we're really kind of talking about changing the trajectory of this franchise at this point and getting back to those 2012, 2015 Peyton type of teams.
1: Do you, yeah. um would you guys be okay with Sertan being included in an Aaron Rodgers trade?
0: You could include me in the trade. You can <laughs> include my grandmothers in the trade. Like, yeah, I'm cool with whatever. Get Aaron Rodgers
1: Is there anybody on the roster that is untouchable? I know that's hard getting put on the spot.
3: I would actually really be upset if they traded away Jerry Judy for him just because I loved him so much as a prospect and was so excited that they got him. But if it means getting Aaron Rodgers, I'm pretty sure I'd be okay with it.
0: Yep, I'd be, I'd be torn up about losing Jerry Judy. I would make the deal 10 times out of 10, though. Yep. Bradley Chem. Exact same thing. Yep. Honestly, like I don't even know that there's one in front of the other that I, I think of more. Both would kill me. I I would include both in the trade.
1: <laughs>
3: Damn. <Ooh.
0: laughs> I don't know. It's so t- it's tough when you
1: think about like longevity, obviously, because there's no guarantee mm-hmm. how long Aaron Rodgers is yeah. going to play. But I mean, when you can have the MVP, I think it's just one of those where it's like you gotta you gotta do what you gotta do, especially when you look at the pieces around and like even if you give up Bradley Chubb, that defense is still in phenomenal shape. If you give up a Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton. You've got a ton of talent. I think Sutton would make a hell of a lot more sense from Denver's perspective.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't know about Green Bay's perspective, given it kind of got some big receivers, but uh, it's going to be a fun month, man. This, these next couple weeks, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting on here once a week and talking about
0: the new news with all of you guys.
3: Yep, stay you know, tuned. And I, in no
0: part of my life am I worried about what, what is going to happen in 2025. If that applies to football as well. If you get Aaron Rodgers you're going to be just fine. You're going
1: to be just fine. All right. uh, That's all we have today. I'm Justin Michael. For everybody else on the Draft Pod, thank you for tuning in, subscribing. Obviously, the last couple of months have been chaotic, but you know the draft season, draft talk, it never ends. It never sleeps, and we will be back each and every week with another podcast for you. Hope everybody is having a great week. Stay safe out there. Stay warm. It's cold in Colorado. I don't know where you guys are listening from, but uh, I'm sick of it. I'm ready for summer. That's all I've got. Much love. Peace.